Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He is not Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops, Papa Giorgio. You just got me. Going to be talking some FIBA ball here, so uh, hopefully we'll get uh, Penny back uh, after the uh, second group stage of the FIBA World Cup, because we got good news coming out of the first uh, group stage of the FIBA World Cup. All five Magic men advance to the second group stage, which is great because that means the field's down from 32 to 16. You got Goga Bataze in Georgia moving on, Joe Ingles in Australia, Paolo Bancaro, USA, uh, the Wagner brothers, Franz and Mo uh, for Germany moving on. So that's pretty cool. I think we were tied uh, with the most uh, NBA players in, uh, in, in this FIBA World Cup tournament uh, going into it, I believe. So the fact that all five of them are still in it and all five are doing pretty well. Like, honestly, the, the worst of the five is Franz Wagner because of the injury that he suffered with, you know, him rolling his ankle and he you know that's happened at the end of the first game and he hasn't he didn't play those last two group stage games ended up Germany didn't need it because they're still three and oh and undefeated but uh hopefully we see Franz in the second group stage but we're going to talk some FIBA ball kind of go over some of the games kind of go over how guys have done what we're looking forward to going ahead and uh yeah let's talk some FIBA ball let's go Seven six guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! With four and one touch. Here's All right, I am recording this uh, Wednesday night, August 30th. Uh, hopefully everyone handled uh, Hurricane Adelia uh, fairly well. Uh, I don't know if it's Adelia, Adalia, or Idalia, but, uh, you know, Orlando, we got pretty lucky. Um, you know, the whole time I'm thinking, all right, when's the thing going to shift east towards Tampa and us? And it, it didn't happen. So it's, you know, unfortunately the... The Panhandle and the Big Bend, you know, so basically mostly between like Tallahassee, Gainesville, like they're the ones that, that took the brunt of it. Um, and hopefully they handle everything well. That that, that hurricane just, it, it juiced up quick because it was in those really hot Gulf of Mexico waters. And yeah, that was our first big storm of the, uh, of the season. I'll be pleasantly surprised if it's our last, um, but, you know, hopefully, uh, those who are impacted, you know, be it by rains, surge, uh, you know, storm waters, um, even bands. I mean, the, we had like one rough band yesterday that came through and, and then, you know, today, earlier this morning, I actually slept through, uh, some of the rough stuff that came by or between like three and 5.00 AM. Like I just slept through it. So that's, that's a good sign because usually I don't sleep through storms. So uh, by the time I woke up at like seven in the morning, most of the heavy stuff was gone. So I'll, I'll, I'll count myself fortunate and I needed to sleep cause I've been waking up pretty early for a lot of these games that, uh, that our five magic men have been in, you know, so I think, yeah, mostly like 4am, uh, for some of these, some I haven't because I just didn't think it was going to be needed and I haven't been burned yet. So, um, I would definitely be waking up early for all of these, uh, 
games moving forward, most likely, uh, second group stage included. But you know, it's it's a, le- a week less than a week into the tournament. You know, the first games tipped off Friday, August twenty fifth, and we got through this first group stage in less than a week. I mean, this tournament's going to end with a September tenth final, so it's it's going to go quick in a snap, and people are going to miss it because Magic Media Day is not till October second. So. Good news for the guys playing in this FIBA World Cup because they'll get a good amount of rest before having to get into training camp or preseason, but uh, not so good for us basketball addicts. Um, I genuinely do feel bad for the folks that aren't into the FIBA World Cup or just FIBA ball in general just because you are you really do miss out on, on some amazing stories, especially if you, if you have ESPN Plus here in the States. like You can watch every game. This used to not be a thing you know, a decade ago. Like you, you really, It was really hard for for folks to, to catch all these games back in the day. So um, we've, we've come a long way with that. So all right, I'm just going to hop into it day-to-day stuff uh, first and then kind of look at the group stage as a whole, or at the groups as a whole. So Friday, August 25th. Um, so shout out to the Spina Barden, who uh, she was in, and she still is in, Okinawa, at calling all of Australia and Germany's games because those, you know, the their groups were their group was uh was there same thing with georgia they were in okinawa and uh, so she was able to call um all of their games she's going to call more of them i believe because uh all the second group stage games for uh, australia uh germany and uh and georgia are all in okinawa because they're all going to be in the same group which i'll get to in a bit but um you know i've i've known her since i was covering the magic back in the day um and you know she's had she has an awesome career outside of sports and basketball now, but it's really cool that she gets to call a men's FIBA World Cup event. It's it's awesome, and she gets to call it with an Australian basketball legend, Andrew Gase. So that's that's cool. But um, you know she's she's a local girl, and it's great that she uh, that we have Magic fan representation on these on these calls. It's awesome because we don't get it nearly enough in NBA national media, and so the fact that we're getting on the international stage like this. It's awesome. So I want to give a shout out to her and I wish her a good rest of the tournament. Um, so out of the gate here. So Australia, Finland, Finland was given the Aussies. And obviously we're calling talking about Australia because of Joe Ingles, a uh, 35 year old new magic signing. You know, he's during the friendly friendlies going into it. He was coming off the bench. So everyone expected him to come off the bench in these games so far, which he has Finland. They got Lori Markin in, um, they had a really fun story, fun run at Eurobasket last year. Not so much with this World Cup. Uh, you know, even with Laurie Markkinen, um, they they were never favored to get out of this, uh, at a, to finish top two in their group. You know, I, I always thought we always thought it was going to be Australia and Germany to to come out of the group, which did end up happening. But uh, that first game, Finland Australia. You know, Finland they were playing up tempo and. Uh, yeah, just really, really high activity level that gave Australia problems out of the gate. Like, especially like Josh Giddy and Patty Mills, like they were really making a bunch of mistakes. They seemed really surprised. So then in came like a 35-year-old Joe Ingles for Matisse Thibel with Finland up like 9-8. And then Joe immediately hit an open corner three. He really just steadied everything for Australia. Um, he's just a vet, just a pure vet, savvy, physical, amazing vision, and that's what you want to see him do for the magic. Like, I don't care how fast you are, man. Like I need you to hit threes, 
just be a vet for this Magic team. And he, if he can do anywhere near as much as he has for you know with Australia for the Magic, that eleven million dollars is going to be worth it, and then some. Um, Dante Exum's story is pretty cool with Australia. You know, he's with the Mavericks this upcoming season. Luka Doncic is going to love him. Just Exum's comeback story from all those injuries, like he's been doing it via the Euro League recently, and it's just really a really cool comeback. I wanted the Magic to draft Exum back in 2014. It didn't happen. He got snake bit by injuries, but it's it's a heck of a story if he can stay healthy through this FIBA World Cup and then stay healthy for the Mavericks. Like that that Dallas team's going to be a lot better just with this Exum signing. Um, but Finland was, you know, up 21 to 17 after one period because Laurie Markin was causing trouble. Uh, Joe was like one of three. You know, he was he missed a couple threes there early, but he's a confident shooter, and I I'm not concerned even if he hits like a slump, be it with you know, be it with the Magic or or with Australia. Like the guy's just confident. He he contributes in so many different ways aside from just this shot and. Um, this was a really physical game because Ingles was getting cut up like a bunch. Like he had a really bloody wound on his right elbow from like falling on the court and then slipping on a, on an unattended wet spot, which he was not thrilled about that. Um, Patty Mills, FIBA Patty is up there with FIBA Fournier. Like Patty Mills found his offensive rhythm and you know, just him, just both Joe and, and Patty Mills, those guys are Australia's two big vets. They've been with that program forever. They, you know, they won that bronze medal in Tokyo in the Tokyo Olympics, and it was just a culmination of everything that they had given. And they're still doing getting it done, man. I mean, they're they're going to be relied on heavily as they as they progress. But um, yeah, I mean, the Aussies were up five at the break against uh, Finland, as you know. It, Joe hit this like awesome uh, step back three that gave the the Aussies a lead at forty one forty, and they were up five at halftime, and they wore down Finland from there basically. Like Ingles in in eleven bench minutes had eleven points, three of six from the field, all of the makes were three pointers, which it should excite uh, analytic folks and just Magic fans in general. Uh, a couple boards and assists. Like Exum took over early in the third. Like this wasn't a great Josh Giddy game, even though statistically it was. Like Josh Giddy, I don't think played that well. Um, and then the big thing with Ingles is like noticing when he's on the bench. Like he is always the first person to get up and greet teammates on the floor, and you know, when play stops. Like that's that's what I want for my vet. And um, yeah, I mean Finland ran out of gas. I mean it ended up turning into like a blowout and. Yeah, I mean the Aussies they they really they really turned it on in the second half and turned a really close game into a blowout. Like Joe finished with like 13 points on 3 of 7 shooting um from 3, 4 of 4 from the free throw line, four boards, two assists, no turnovers, 20 minutes. Just great game Joe and that was probably his most important game out of these first three uh group stage games so far. Like it was it was a game that he yeah, he, he really got it turned around early because otherwise Finland actually might have had a shot at winning that game had, had Joe not gotten in and done his thing. So uh, I'm going to briefly talk about a non-Magic game. The Dominican Republic versus the Philippines was just insane. Um, Philippines are the main of the three hosts. Like it's Philippines, Japan, and Okinawa, and then uh, Indonesia and Jakarta. But, uh, you know, Philippines, Manila... They had over 38,000-plus Filipinos in, uh, 
in the arena that they had there that that holds like 50,000 people and they broke the previous 32,000 plus uh attendance record that came from the 1994 FIBA World Cup that happened in Toronto which Paul Porter was a PA announcer for that and Shaquille O'Neal was on Team USA for that so uh that was pretty cool obviously that was the US did win gold that that tournament and then Shaq would end up winning gold in, in 96 but um that game was pretty cool. Uh, Dominican Republic beat the Philippines. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, it, we'll talk about him in a bit, I guess. But he, uh, I said he was he was kind of like a wild card in this tournament. Like he he could carry that country far, and he's doing it right now. And it's uh, if I'm a, a Timberwolves fan, I'm super psyched uh, about how just happy and involved and just excited that Carl Anthony Towns is, um, an international ball will do that. Um, all right, Germany, Japan, much smaller arena, uh, to play in, but it's just jam packed and loud with, uh, with Japanese folks in, in Okinawa. And, uh, yeah, Yuta Watanabe, he, he was playing some small ball center against Daniel Tice and he kept, uh, Japan close early because Tyson and Voigtman were letting Watanabe shoot threes, which that's the last thing you want Yuta to do. Um, Franz, this is going to be the only game we'll be able to talk about for him for for right now, as uh, he he'll get hurt later in this game. But you know, he started off with like a just a textbook Euro step finish, and then a two hand slam off a cut. Um, Germany was up eighteen to eight early, and then Mo off the bench was just too big for that Japanese front court. Um, he was just Mo was just constantly just doing back down, f- like flip shots, back down, like hook shots, back down, just easy easy flip shots at the at the basket and he was doing it like back to back at times um so it got to a point where japan was going to have to double team him to to just get him away from doing that and then franz and mo each had just an early four points as their parents were seen cheering him on in the crowd and from a passion intensity perspective uh the wagner brothers passion and intensity 100% comes from their mom because she gets up for every single bucket, be it a German bucket, be it, for, you know, something that their, their sons are involved in or not. Like she is, uh, she is way super excited and hyped and that's, that's cool to see. Um, but yeah, Mo Wagner in this first game against Japan, he was looking like 2021 pre-Olympic tourney, uh, Mo Wagner. Like he, he had it going, man. Like he, he got up to 12 points in like a flash, and I would say if Germany had Mo last year, they would have won Eurobasket gold. Like that needs to not be ignored. Um, they would have beat Spain, and then they would have ended up winning in the final, I think. But uh, Germany was up 53-31 at halftime, uh, despite Japan's efforts and home court advantage. Like Mo off the bench in that first half at 13 points on two of two uh, three-point shooting, three of four at the line, four boards and assists. And that was the thing with Mo and the friendlies and all that. Like Mo was having trouble hitting threes, and the fact that he hit his first two, like that'll boost your confidence in a hurry. Franz, six points, smooth contribu- contributions, three assists, three boards. Yeah, he was zero of three on threes, but that's that's okay. Um, Watanabe and Baba were keeping Japan respectable in this game. Um, Mo Wagner just kept restoring order for Germany when it looked like Japan was going to really chop into this game. Um, Mo was just awesome, awesome game. He was the player of the game. And then he had Franz with the left ankle roll, which, um, you know, it's he's done it a lot with the Magic. He's done it for Germany, the ankle roll. And 
either we got to start getting him higher shoes or because uh, that thing's just rolling way too often, way too easily, or just ankle supports. But if you do the ankle supports, then you kind of take some of those that some of that mobility, some of those moves away. But um, yeah, it's one of these days. One of those ankle rolls is really going to get Franz uh, badly, and um, you know, hopefully, we see him in the second group stage. If we don't see him in the second group stage for Germany, then I'm a little concerned. But again, for Germany, we have a Magic assistant coach uh, Brett Brielmeyer, and then we have I think one of our Magic physios too on on Germany. So like, there's nothing hidden from from our team. Like we 100% know what's going on. Like everybody's involved in the process there. So I have no concerns. Uh, over Franz health at the moment. Um, but Franz did finish that game with 10 points, five of six on twos, Oh, of six on threes. So just, just couldn't hit a three, um, six boards, five assists, a steal. Mo Wagner. I said it, he was the player of the game. He's got the, you know, he, he just a stud 23 minutes off the bench, 25 points, eight of nine, two on twos, two of five on threes, nine boards, a dime, a steal, a block. So that was the end of day one right there. And, Going into day two, you had Saturday, August 26th, Goga Bataze uh, for Georgia has been coming off the bench, which I know that makes a lot of Magic fans unhappy. Um, the Georgia's being coached by a Greek guy, Ilya Zuros. He, uh, he likes to do some finicky stuff sometimes. Uh, sometimes he overthinks himself. Sometimes it's actually quite genius. For the most part, having like three of your best players come off the bench in Bataze uh, Sandra Mamakalashvili and uh, Tinaze, like uh, a 37-year-old Tinaze of all people. Um, those are like arguably their three best players aside from uh, Tornik Shingalia, who, who is starting for Georgia. But like having Shermadini, uh, their captains, like start, you know, he's the oldest looking 34-year-old I've seen in a while. But having him start at center over Goga, like it's, it's had Georgia get off to some slow starts. And, you know, Georgia... Again, they're playing their games also in Okinawa. So, um, you know, they got off to a really bad start against Cape Verde, which Cape Verde, again, hell of a story. Both teams were do, were debuting for the first time at the FIBA World Cup. Um, but Cape Verde got off to this great 8-2 to two start. And it's like, um, yeah, this, this starting lineup wasn't working for Georgia. And for the most part, it really hasn't at all like the game changed immediately once Goga and uh Tintaze was uh was uh, checked in and yeah Goga cleaning up everything just grabbing offensive rebounds um getting a put back or at least dishing it out to guy to teammates for shots um you know that that 8-2 deficit quickly turned into a 17-11 Georgia lead and the game just flipped literally within like a two-minute time span and by the time Goga checked out with like seven minutes until halftime, Georgia was up 27 to 13 and the game felt like it was over. And I mean, in that stint that Goga was in at, out of the gate, it was like six points, three boards, a steal and assist. Just he had no fear against Eddie Tavares. Like Eddie Tavares is the reason why Cape Verde qualified out of FIBA Africa and got into this tourney. And Eddie Tavares is seven foot three beast of a center uh, for Real Madrid. And Goga just wasn't scared of him. Um, and, yeah, Georgia, I mean, led 48-22 at the break, and it, it, it really felt like a blowout. And Goga has been starting the second halves of games. He's not starting games, but he's starting the second half of games, seems to be the, the pattern. And he racked up a double-double in Georgia's win, like 19 minutes off the bench for Goga, 15 points, 11 boards, 3 assists, 2 steals, 9-10 from the free-throw line. So good job there. 
And then later we had Paolo versus New Zealand. Um, the haka that New Zealand does, uh, and this is the Tall Blacks. When it's the men's basketball team, they're called the Tall Blacks. I think the All Blacks are the rugby team, I believe. Uh, but with New Zealand, uh, it's always interesting when um, when they do a haka dance because you always want to see who is intimidated, if anyone is, on the opposing team and just the opposing team's reaction. And I remember, I think the last time the U.S. played, I think like Harden and a couple other guys were, were on that uh us 18 i can't remember off the time but harden was the one that always seemed like the most shocked or surprised by the haka this time everyone was pretty composed for the u.s except bobby portis because bobby portis has kind of those natural like crazy eyes so um yeah i mean look the key the haka dance seemed to have worked because the u.s starters got off to god awful start and the kiwis were up 14 to 5 on team usa when ben carroll checked in and then Paolo immediately gets in, he gets a dunk, he gets a block, and he was just everywhere in this game. He, uh, Reeves, Halliburton put the U.S. up 19-18 to after one. So you go from down 14-5 to to up 19-18 after one quarter. Paolo had five points, three boards, two blocks in four minutes. Like, that is, that's so awesome. Like, only free throw shooting was, was and has been his problem in this tournament. Um and then Paolo snuck in like late uh, in that first half with 124 to go because Jaron Jackson Jr. is getting in foul trouble every game uh, as the U.S. was up 45-36 at the break. New Zealand is not a good team. Like they're like they're okay. Uh, they're not horrible, horrible, but they're not good. Uh, they depend on physicality and scrappiness. They are very good at making free throws, and they can catch heat from three, as the U.S. found out as Greece kind of found out uh, later uh, today on, on Wednesday, August 30th. Uh, but overall, New Zealand, not a great team, but they, they fight, man. And it was just interesting that they were only down nine at halftime. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. picked up an early foul, picked up his third uh, early in the third with like 8.13 to go in that third quarter. Remember, we're talking about 10-minute quarters here, not 12-minute, 10-minute quarters. So... Paolo checked in, and again, Paolo just thrives off of this physical play, especially against a physical team like New Zealand. Like, he's a big boy, man. He's he's six ten. I don't know if he's as much. He weighs two fifty or if he's lighter now, but he's strong no matter what his weight is. Um, I'm willing to bet he has a stronger lower base than Jaron Jackson is. That's why his post defense oftentimes is actually better than Jaron Jackson Jr., who. Jackson Jr. is the reigning defensive player of the year. I don't think he should have been the defensive player of the year, but. He won the award, so um and then Paolo, one of the you know, one of the things that people mentioned with the struggles are his free throws. The other one is his three point shooting. Well, he hit back to back threes in this game. Um he had seventeen points through three quarters and you know, including those back to back threes in the third. Paolo had like a dagger block on one end and then a bucket to get up to nineteen points on the other end. Uh, and then just, he, he won the TCL player of the game he's got the hardware for it. Um, and then the U S won 99, 72 Paolo finished with 21 points, eight of 10 field goals, including two, three, uh, threes made four blocks. It could have been six or seven, but he got four blocks in 19 minutes. Uh, and he was a plus 22. So that kid is, is something for 20 years old, man. Let me, let me tell you, like he, you know, three point shooting, defense, free throws, like he's he's doing pretty well at two of the three for the most part. Like he's knocking down threes and then he's uh he's swatting a shit ton of of shots and just 
picking up defensively everything that Steve Kerr and the coaching staff wanted to pick up. Like he looks great. And I'm not going to be one of those guys that says, Oh, Paolo can play center now. No, but putting him next to Wendell Carter Jr. And Franz Wagner, you can switch at will and you're not sacrificing much in that front court, which is amazing. And that's what you want to see. And again, Jamal Mosley's over there. He's been doing a lot of posting up and post defense and, and practice photos that we see, um, be it with Paolo or guys like Brandon Ingram. But Mosley's got to be just salivating at how great Paolo's been overall so far in this tournament. Um, Sunday, August 27th. So Franz ended up missing this Australia game. I thought because he was listed as day to day with just the you know an ankle sprain from uh, from the German uh, by the German national team. You know he's listed as day to day. He's still listed as day to day, I believe. But Franz missed the Australia game, which was a surprise because I I thought he'd find a way to play in this uh, really important game because the winner was going to win the group of this game and seeding and ranking play a big factor in how your path to the title game go and. It was also his 22nd birthday, and I just thought, well, Franz is definitely going to find a way to play. And he didn't, and Germany still won, which is just super impressive. And that's a credit to Gordy Herbert, his coaching. That's a credit to Schroeder and Mauto Lowe just leading the way, like just a huge German victory. And Germany's still not getting uh, NBA media respect for the most part. Um, Internationally, everybody knows, and I mean in the FIBA rankings, Germany's second, but you know, NBA national media wise, Germany's still not quite getting the respect they should get. Um, Franz and Ingles, uh, or sorry, Mo and Mo Wagner and Joe Ingles each didn't statistically have great, the greatest of games. Like they were just okay at best. Um, with the win, Germany went two and zero, and they were already qualified for the second group stage. Japan beating Finland in Okinawa was historic and really emotional, uh, to watch. That was awesome. That was, that was special. Um, that's why we watch these FIBA events because you end up getting like first time things happening in a tournament, every tournament now. And yeah, it's watching Japan beat Finland and Okinawa. That was really one unexpected because they had a ridiculous comeback. I think they came back from down like 18 or 16 points to beat Finland. And that crowd was nuts. Like it was, yeah, it, it was, it was an emotional watch. That was, that was just awesome. So, and that effectively ended Finland's tournament. Well, it did end Finland's chance to progress because they were now 0-2 having lost to, uh, to the Aussies and now Japan. Um, so they didn't have much to play for going to that final Germany game. But, uh, and then another upset that Sunday, the, Bigger upset, honestly. Latvia without Kristaps Porzingis beat France in Jakarta, which was insane. Um, the French just getting eliminated before even making it to the second group stage is just. I I didn't I I didn't have them as a medal contender. I was probably one of the few, and but I d- didn't have them not making the second group stage, the second phase. Like that's that's insane. So um, France has a lot to figure out before hosting the Paris Olympics next year, and they. They're automatically one of the 12 teams in because they're hosts and they're lucky that they that they have that automatic spot because otherwise they would have had to have gone into a, a pre-Olympic qualifying tournament next summer. So they don't have to worry about that, but uh, being eliminated and not advancing into the uh, final 16, that doesn't mean they go home. They're, they're playing these uh, 17 through uh, 32 seed uh, classification games because uh, there are teams that 
can get an Olympic qualifying spot, as we mentioned in the uh, in the last uh, pod previewing this. You know, like you get seven spots were up for grabs. Uh, as well, I'll mention in a, in a bit, Australia clinched one of those spots. Uh, so we we know which two teams are definitely in the uh, in the Olympics in France and Australia because uh, all. All Australia had to do was be the best team out of Oceania, which was between them and New Zealand. And with Greece beating New Zealand today, and then with the Aussies going uh, two and one, uh, beat having beaten um, uh, beaten was it Finland uh, or Japan? I can't remember which one of the two they beat today. But the Aussies finished two and one in their group. They uh, they f- they not only are in the second group stage of this FIBA World Cup, but they got that uh, automatic Olympic qualifying spot. So we'll probably be seeing Joe Ingles in the Olympics. Um, who knows if that'll be his last tournament? Who knows if that'll be Patty Wills' last tournament? But uh, yeah, that's that's really cool for the Aussies. But yeah, France is out. Um, you know, there's still a couple. They're still qualifying. There's still uh, automatic Olympic bids up for grabs. Like you still have the two uh, European bids. You still have the two Americas bids. You have an Asia spot and you have an Africa spot up for grabs still. So um, yeah, the the like uh, the Africa and the Asia ones. We'll find out here in the next few days who gets those. But from the Americas, well, that gets a little interesting because you got, uh, you know, was it Dominican Republic? You got Canada. You got the U.S. involved. And in Europe, there's a bunch of European teams to just scrap for it. So, um, but yeah, just the stunner that France is is gone. Like, other than Evan Fournier, like they have guard issues. I know. I don't think Thomas Hurdle played in this um, in this tournament. Uh, but like Nando DiColo, he could have been better, and they they need some guard help. Like I know people are going to be like, oh, well, Victor Umbanyama backed out, or and like, oh, they might have Joel Embiid next year. Like bigs, like center isn't a huge huge concern for them when you got Gobert there. Like they they didn't lose this tournament because of Gobert. Like they lost because they don't have enough guards, um, enough great guards or wings anyway. So. Um, there's no Mikhail Pietris to, to help him out anymore, you know? So, all right, let's get into Monday, August 28th. So it was Goga, Bataze in Georgia versus Luka Doncic in Slovenia. So once again, Lea Zuros had Goga coming off the bench as well as Mamukelishvili and, uh, um, ugly start for both teams in this game. It took three minutes for a team to make a field goal. This was Slovenia that did. Goga checked in with Slovenia up eight to two. Where have you heard that before? Uh, Luca scored Slovenia's first ten points in the game, mostly on free throws. Uh, Shingelia, um, six minutes in, finally scored Georgia's first field goal of the game. Goga hit a three, very smooth swish sound too. It looked good coming out. Um, and Georgia was only down twelve fifteen after the Goga three. So terrible start, and yet you're only down three. And then Georgia went ahead 17 to 16 on a Mama Kalish Feely three, um, despite Luca already having 11 free throw attempts at this point. And, you know, I had already mentioned it took the first six minutes for Georgia to make a field goal. And next thing you know, they were six of their last seven in that little early stretch. To, so if you catch fire, you can catch fire in a hurry. I think it's a sneaky chess move from from Zuros to to have Goga and Sandro and Cinzaze uh, coming off the bench because you're starting horribly, but then like when the opposing starters get a little tired, then you're throwing in like fresh good bodies and you're kind of mowing them down. At least that's what that's kind of what's been happening for the most part in this uh, 
in this first group stage anyway. It didn't end up working out against Slovenia, but it worked out uh it worked out their last game against Venezuela. So um but yeah, I mean like I said it worked against Cape Verde. It was looking okay against Slovenia early, but then the FIBA refs I thought really screwed Georgia late in the second period and Slovenia is up 45-33 at halftime. FIBA refs just didn't help uh, even when Luca was sitting. Let's just Georgia could not could not get over their frustration. And that's the one kind of vice of this Georgia team is they play really emotionally. Like it's I think it's also kind of a Georgia characteristic, which be proud be proud for being kind of as energetic and as involved in all that as you want to be. But it doesn't help when you need to be kind of level headed at times. And so, you know, frustration ended up leading to Georgia's confidence kind of going down. And, you know, could Georgia come back in the game? Sure, but it just it didn't happen. Even when Goga started in the second half, they just couldn't couldn't do enough. And at that point, um, that's when I switched my focus to USA versus Georgia. So or versus uh, versus Greece. And Look, I said it last pod. I still stand by it. This is the worst Greek team in my adulthood. Um, still good enough to get into the second phase, thankfully. Uh, but, you know, against the U.S., I I didn't expect them to stand a chance. But, hey, New Zealand started off well against the U.S. and gave them problems, so why not Greece? And Thomas Walkup, uh, Stephen F. Austin, naturalized uh, point guard who plays for Olympiacos. I love that guy, man. That guy is... Uh, embodies the greek spirit and um he uh he's he's a fun point guard to have like i i'd be lying if i said i i didn't prefer him over nick calathis like i i think he's overall better than calathis because thomas walk up actually will shoot the ball um and occasionally make him too but uh you know calathis he had like a decade with the national team with the greek national team and just Great, great distributing the ball, fairly okay defensively, um, but just couldn't typically hit shots for the most part. So have Walkup as that starting point guard now, that that helps a little bit. Um, and Greece obviously doesn't have Giannis Adetokounmpo, so we don't really stand a chance at meddling in this tournament. But, you know, Walkup, uh, big man, Papa Giannis, started off well. U.S. starters were scoring better against Greece than on Saturday against, uh, against New Zealand. Um, great Greek crowd in the in manila in the philippines like we we show up to all these man it's 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 great having awesome greek fans there and i know there's a lot of filipino fans that are uh that are fans of the greek national team and they they help support too so uh but you can constantly hear the greek fans chanting which is awesome paolo checked in with the u.s up 21 17 um this Paolo is just constantly going to get to the free throw line a lot in this tournament, it feels like. And he did, again, a, a decent amount here in this game. Like, his size, his physicality, his willingness to just cut and tack the rim, it's it's awesome. Like, it helps a ton. And it's crazy. It, like, you, like Paolo's size doesn't come, doesn't just kind of pop out at you until you see him next to a guy like Papa Giannis, who's a seven-foot-one, like, big, beefy dude. And here's Paolo looking stronger and 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 almost more stout than he and Papayanis, which Paolo's a you know a, a pretty slim very athletic guy like he's not there's not much fat on the kid so like but it's crazy how he makes Papayanis, at least strength wise look kind of small almost which is kind of absurd but Paolo again this game's very active defensively 
hitting free throws. Like Paolo had the had a dunk that gave him six points to put the U.S. up 37-25. And from there, like Greece just kind of fell apart. There's just too many missed Greek free throws and threes. And yeah, I mean, Paolo didn't have to do nearly as much in this game because Steve Kerr already trusts him. Like this coaching staff already trusts him. So I see Magic fans kind of concerned about Paolo's touches or, you know, oh, he's not scoring double-digit points or, um, you know, there's – you know, people just kind of look at his stats, but if you look at his defense and you just look at how effective he is with Halliburton, with Reeves, um, with Josh Hart, although Josh Hart finally moved into the starting lineup for, against Jordan, um, like Paolo's on the I trust this guy list from Steve Kerr's point of view. So I'm not concerned when I don't see Paolo playing garbage time at all because the garbage minutes are going to guys like Bobby Portis and Walker Kessler. And that should make you feel pretty happy as a Magic fan. Um, so that was Monday. Tuesday, August 29th. Uh, there was a Germany-Finland 3.30 tip. I did not wake up for this one. This was the first game I did not wake up for. Um, German swept Group E. Moritz Wagner finished with 12 points, two boards, an assist, a steal. He was perfect from the field off the bench. Um you know, there's some folks that said he didn't have that great of an impact. I kind of disagree. I thought he he was part of that unit in the first half that kind of really got things going because Finland was making a game out of it early. And then from what I saw, like Mo, he, he, he helped turn it around. And again, second straight game with no Franz, but they didn't need him. They finished 3-0 in Group E, and uh, yeah. To the other game, it was winner go home between Australia and Japan because Japan had the miraculous win over Finland. Um, Joe Ingles couldn't hit a three, but he had three boards and three dimes after the first quarter. It was a 25-17 Australia lead. It's a very professional and focused first half from Australia. Like It was 51-29 two minutes before halftime. Um, And they just weren't really giving Japan any hope. Uh, But you got to give a real credit to that Okinawa crowd and just that Japanese team as a whole. Like, they they would not go quietly in the night. And, uh, you know, they were seeking another miracle comeback just like against Finland, but it just didn't didn't quite happen in this one. So the Aussies did beat Japan. Australia finished second in Group B behind Germany. Your record carries over into the second group stage. So... uh, you know, Australia is at a bit of a disadvantage in comparison to obviously Germany, who went three and zero. Ingles in the game, he had nineteen uh, bench minutes. He played, um, but he scored five points, four boards, four assists, a steal. Xavier Cooks, who I don't know if he's still a wizard or not, but he had ten offensive rebounds for the Aussies, and he was just he was really impressive against the Japanese team. I just could not handle his physicality and his size, but. Uh, and then today, Wednesday, August 30th, um, you know, c- listen to the, to win horse hoop collect hoop collective pod. Like we know that Paolo Bencaro has been working with shooting coach legend, uh, Chip England, uh, his entire time with team USA so far. And that's invaluable, honestly, England, who was, you know, with the Spurs forever on all those title teams, but has been with OKC since last season, uh, or since last year, I think it is, um, that's that's a big deal to have that that great of a shooting coach work with you. But um, you know, today I did not wake up early for this USA Jordan game, nor did I need to because the US won one ten to sixty two. Um, yeah, it was 
it was a it was a blowout situation any way you can kind of look at it. I mean, the U.S. was up 31-12 after one quarter, and you know, Paolo again off the bench, 15 minutes, eight points, four rebounds, an assist. Um, missed his only three-point attempt, but three of six from the field, two of four from free throws. Um, I'll go over everybody's stats after the group stage, but. Uh, and then in the other game, um, oh, well, USA, they swept Group E, three, you know, it's three no record in Group E, um, at, or in Group C, as you would expect. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're looking pretty good. It's going to get a little tougher now, uh, with Lithuania and Montenegro coming up, but, uh, with Georgia, it was a winner and win and get in with Venezuela. They needed the victory. And after a bit of a shaky start, I mean, they were up 24, 19, in that first quarter, but uh, an 18 to four second quarter really put them over the top. Um, even though Venezuela ended up winning the third and fourth quarters, like Georgia still won uh, 70 to 59. And this was Toko Shingalia's uh, night. He had 25 points, but Goga, second double double of this World Cup already. You know, 21 minutes off the bench. He, uh, yeah, man, he had 11 points, 11 boards. Two steals, two blocks. Uh, five of eight from the free throw line. Three of three from the field. The three turnovers you don't like to see, but, I mean, he's... I said it. He had to be the first or second best player on Georgia, and every game he has been either the first or second best player, I believe, um, at least in the two wins. In Georgia's two wins, he's been the first or second best player. You know, In the first game, you can argue that uh Sinadze was better than Goga so Goga was the runner-up player and then uh today Toko Shingele was definitely the best player with Goga being second and that's that's what you want to see from a 24 year old third string center for your team it's like you want a guy that's doing really well for his national team and building up confidence because again he lost a lot of confidence by the time he was out of uh out of Indiana and the fact that we've seemed to have revived his career similarly to Mo Wagner in a way like it's it's pretty interesting and we'll see how uh, how this plays out for Georgia because again this is their first World Cup and here they are advancing to uh, the final 16. Just a quick shout out for my Greeks uh, <laughs> we barely beat New Zealand we won 83 to 74 we were down 15 in the first half we were down 11 at halftime it looked grim for a while there but we uh we rose to the occasion. I'm I'm proud of that team. That win historically may not be remembered for a long time, but uh, or in 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 like a decade or whatever. But that was a really really ballsy gutsy win to to get out of Group C with the U.S. into the round of 16, and I'm really proud of them for that. But all right, let's talk final stand. Well, let's talk stats for all the U.S. guys, and then we'll go into standings because um, now we're going from 32 down to 16 and it's now you're getting some real good quality moving on from there. But, uh, looking at the magic players, um, I guess I'll start with Franz Wagner cause he's all, he only played one game, but I mean, he had the 10 points, six boards, five assists, uh, miss all those threes, but, um, you know, he's still pretty efficient overall, even with those missed threes, but really effective. And, yeah, I mean, hopefully we see him in these next games here. Um, worst comes to worst, Germany should still make it to the knockout, even without Franz. They may not go undefeated in these next two group stage games, but um, they should make it to the knockout. We should see Franz by the knockout. I think we'll see him sooner than that, but 
you know, Germany, they've got, uh, they've got uh, a little bit of, uh, leniency to work with here being undefeated that they are, um, Mo Wagner in his three games, uh, all of them off the bench, um, 13.7 points per game, 5.3 boards, uh, a steal a game, pretty, pretty solid. I mean, 66.2 field goal percentage, 43.5% from three. Like that's, that you want to want to see, especially also the 87% free throw percentage. That's the best of all the magic players. I believe that 87%. So good on Mo. Um, it's going to be when these games actually start mattering more and more, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he's closing out games. Um, if he's closing out games, because when the games matter, he should be out on the floor. I expect him to be out the floor and we'll see how Gordy Herbert handles that. But Mo's off to a really good start. Ingles, all three of his games off the bench. He's uh, 7.7 points per game. Four boards a contest, 2.3 assists, which actually seems low, but I think that's because his teammates have not uh, always been converting on his amazing assists. 85.2 free throw percentage. Yeah, I mean, you want to see better than 32.5% from the from three-point range, but, I mean, 40% field goal percentage overall is okay. Um, his turnovers, he's only at 0.7 turnovers per game. Again, plus-minus is pretty solid. Efficiency is good. Like, he's... 35 years old, still getting it done. And his role is probably going to increase as this, uh, especially in the second group stage now. Um, Goga Bataze, he's got the two double-doubles. So he's averaging 11 points and uh, 9.3 rebounds per game. Two assists per game for Goga. How about that? 78.3% from the free throw line. That's that's good for a big man. 42.9% from three. 88.2% field goal percentage. He's perfect on twos. Uh, so that's uh, that's awesome. I mean, his efficiency, he's got the best efficiency out of all the Magic players. It's like a 22.3 is his efficiency. Um, you want to, you don't want to see 1.7 turnovers per game, though. I mean, that's negating his two assists per game. But, I mean, it's he's still getting a block a game, 2.3 steals per contest. Like, he's, again, 24 years old. He's doing, he's doing well. And... Again, George is in kind of uncharted waters, uh, uncharted territory here. Paolo Bencaro, all three of his games off the bench for the 20-year-old. 12.3 points per game, 3.7 boards, an assist a game. 64.9% from the free throw line is not good. Um, do we want to see that move up? 53.8% from three-point range. 63.5% field goal percentage. That is stellar. Um for a center or not a center, that is very stellar. Uh, 1.3 turnovers per game, that's fine. Um, 1.3 blocks per game seems like it's it should be double that. It feels like he should be averaging 2.6. And FIBA doesn't hand out blocks like they do in the NBA uh, as as easily. Like even if it kind of looks like a block, they often don't give it as a block. So the kid's been awesome. He's handling everything in stride wonderfully and yeah i mean um he's he's handling it well as opposed to some of his teammates like uh, brandon ingram for instance like he's doing well uh all right so looking at how the groups played out before we get into specific games and these new groups that have formed so um group a dominican republic went undefeated three and oh uh italy finished second uh, at two and one 
And then Angola and the Philippines are, are out. Stunningly, the Philippines didn't win a game in Group A. That was that was unexpected. I thought the Philippines would beat Angola, and yet didn't happen. So that's tough for the hosts. They're in the classification games, though, so there's still hope, potentially, possibly, that the Philippines could get an Olympic qualifying bid. Um, there's They got some work to do, though. But, again, Carl Anthony Towns, Cat, he's... He's getting it done for the DR, and um, yeah, they 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 could be uh, formidable as this as this move continues. Group B, Serbia, undefeated, three and zero. I mean, they got Bogdanovic, um, Jovic for the Heat has been uh, really good as I expected because he was good in the friendlies. And if I'm the Blazers and I have to trade uh, Damian Lillard, I'm pretty happy having one of the guys coming back in a trade uh, being Jovic because that kid is going to be good. And I frankly don't want to see him on Miami. I want him on a different team because I, uh, I like Jovic as a player, but uh, Puerto Rico finished second in the, in group B uh, at two and one. So they advance with Serbia, South Sudan, they got a win, a historic win, but one win wasn't enough to advance. And then China went winless in the group. Um, group C USA on top three and oh, Greece second, two and one. New Zealand, they only got the one win over Jordan. Um, and Jordan just got, just didn't stand much of a chance, even though the Rondé Hollis Jefferson story is uh, pretty cool and pretty interesting. And he's a great quote. Um, just not enough uh, for Jordan to, to compete in that Group C. Group D, it was always going to come down to Lithuania and Montenegro because Egypt and Mexico didn't stand a chance. And that's definitely how it played out, although Egypt did beat Mexico to finish third uh but group d lithuania went three and oh they advance their uh their big time uh fan support was uh is in the philippines at this time and uh that probably helped them kind of get the best of montenegro which montenegro before cape verde was the smallest nation ever to make a feeble world cup and now they've been dethroned by cape verde for that title but um obviously montenegro unless it's like being played in, in Montenegro, like it's, they don't expect a lot of their fans to travel to, uh, to these FIBA events. So, but, um, you know, Montenegro, they finished second in group D they advanced out with Lithuania group E I already mentioned Germany went three and O Australia two and one, those two advance Japan and Finland are out group F Slovenia finished three and O at the top of the group above Georgia who advances at two and one Cape Verde. They got that one win over, uh, Venezuela, and uh, Venezuela finished winless, winless in Group F. Group G, Spain kind of cruising along here, three and zero. Although not a very great group. Although they, they Spain had some trouble against Brazil and Iran. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. I, I don't think Spain is a favorite to make us make a make the final. I don't think. Um, but they keep proven me wrong every time it feels like you know they they won the goal they're the defending FIBA world uh, cup champions from 2019 and they won euro basket last year in 2022 so what the hell do i know right but spain finished three and zero. brazil as i expected they get out of group g with spain uh finishing two and one ivory coast got the their win over iran and iran went winless so um and then group h canada three and zero. They uh they had the big win over France out of the gate, and that just kind of set the tempo for for how that group was going to go. Canada had trouble with Latvia, though. Latvia is the shocker, getting out of Group H, advancing with Canada with no Kristaps Porzingis or 
or Timo or and like other you know other good players in the past like this Latvia team is uh has a pretty bright future with some of the guys that they got um France finished third Lebanon winless uh although they they actually they they gave France trouble to Lebanon um but Lebanon was winless in group H so what does that leave us to do? So now the second group stage, you take the 16 teams that advance and you're putting them into two, uh, four groups of uh, four here. Um, group I, Group J, Group K, and Group L. So Group I, you're combining Group A and B. So there you have Serbia at 3-0 and and your record and your points move over. Remember this. So Serbia at 3-0 and and Dominican Republic at 3-0. and And then you have the two 2-1 two teams, Italy and Puerto Rico. Um, just looking at group I, I would say Serbia is, Oh gosh, I, I, Italy kind of, kind of concerns me because, uh, their coach, uh, Pozzeco is not having a good time there. And, uh, I, I just think they're missing that, missing at least another piece for them to give, uh, Serbia or, or, uh, Dominican Republic a good run. Now, remember in these new groups, you don't play the teams that you faced in group, uh, in group in the first group stage, you're only playing the, the two new teams. So in this case, you know, Serbia would play the Dominican Republic. Uh, Serbia would also play, uh, Puerto Rico. Um, they would not play Italy cause they already played Italy in, uh, in the, in the first group stage. So, um, so I think Serbia. I mean, the big game here is Serbia, Dominican Republic. I man, I, I don't know if I can go against Cat. I'm going to say Serbia wins, but I am not confident at all that they'll uh, that that they'll they'll beat the DR. Like Dominican Republic's been a fun story. Like it's they're treating it like a party and they're having fun and they're staying loose. Whereas Serbia, even though they're missing guys like the reigning MVP Nikola Jokic, like they've still got guys, but. I think Serbia's got enough to beat the DR, but that game's going to be fascinating when they play each other. All right, Group J. And remember, the top two from each of these groups move on to the quarterfinal knockout stage where that's single elimination after this. So I expect Serbia to get out with the Dominican Republic. I don't expect Italy or Puerto Rico to to win out. Um, And that's what you would have to do. If you're Italy or Puerto Rico, you would have to win. You know, Italy would have to beat both... uh, the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico would have to beat both of uh, Italy and Serbia to move on. So um, that's a tough, to- tough thing to, to. I mean, maybe Italy can beat the DR, but like, uh, uh, I trust Cat a lot with that. So um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Maybe I can. I just confused the teams, and maybe, maybe I really just confused everything there. But I'm gonna say Serbia and Dominican Republic get out. Uh, of Group I into the quarterfinals. Group J, USA, Lithuania, Montenegro, and Greece. So USA and Lithuania go into this undefeated 3-0 each. So they have the advantage over 2-1 Montenegro and 2-1 Greece. Um, do I think Greece can beat both Montenegro and Lithuania? Yes, I do. After they scrapped and fought and found a lot of heart to beat New Zealand. Will it happen? I don't know, man. Like Montenegro and Lithuania, they've got they've got the pieces. I'm gonna say Greece gets it done. I think U.S. the U.S. goes undefeated against Lithuania and Montenegro, and they'll be five and zero going into the quarterfinals. I think Greece beats Lithuania and Montenegro. My my uh, 
my bias and my heart just won't let me say Greece gets eliminated just yet. I think the U.S. and Greece find both end up getting out of Group J into the quarterfinals. Um, group K. Slovenia and Germany are undefeated 3-0. That leaves Australia and Georgia each 2-1, and catching up to them. I expect Germany to beat both Slovenia and Georgia. I don't see Georgia beating either uh, Australia or Germany. I just don't. I don't see it happening. Um, they'll put up a good fight. It'll be good. It'll be a good experience for Goga for sure. Especially if Goga's got to go up against Mo Wagner. Ooh, boy, <laughs> that uh, that that's an early training camp camp battle right there. But um, the tricky thing with Slovenia is they re- they definitely aren't as good as they've they've been in the past five six years. So. Do I think Slovenia can beat either Germany or Australia once? Or let alone twice. But really, they only need to technically do it once, I think, to progress. Although then you get into tiebreakers, and then that gets messy. I don't want to go over tiebreakers. I'm just going to let it play out. I'm going to say Germany stays undefeated. They finish top of Group K. So they'll beat Slovenia when they meet up. That's why I also want Franz to be healthy, because I want to see Franz go up against Luka again. Um, And then... Australia, I think, has got enough to beat Slovenia as well. So I think it's going to be Germany finishing first in Group K, and I think Australia is going to going to get out of Group K. And Slovenia and Georgia are going to be going home um, from there. So we'll see. That's why you play the games. The Filipino crowd, or actually, well, sorry, the Japanese Okinawa crowd absolutely loves uh, them some Luka. And, but Australia's got a lot of traveling fans. And so the Aussies are going to have a lot of uh, fans on their side as well. So, but yeah, I think Germany and Australia are going to get out. Maybe I'll be wrong. I've been pretty good on these predictions for the most part so far. Um, Group L, Canada and Spain are undefeated at three and zero. Brazil and Latvia are each two and one. I don't see any upsets here. I think Canada and Spain both uh, get out of Group L together. Um, I think. I mean, the big meeting there is Canada versus Spain, right? I think Canada is going to beat Spain. I think Canada will get out of Group L undefeated. Spain will get out uh, with just the one loss and finish and get into the quarterfinals. And but Brazil and Latvia are both feisty, and yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see um, how how that group plays out. But I think that one stays chalk. So the second group stage is it's only this weekend here coming up. It's the, the, the game's Friday and Sunday. That's it. September 1st and September 3rd. And then you get on to the knockout quarterfinals. So magic, magic, important games here. So you have, uh, 4 30 AM, uh, us, uh, us time, uh, 4 30 AM. It's Germany, Georgia, this Friday, September 1st. Again, I, Georgia, it's going to be interesting to see Goga go up against Mo. I don't think Germany needs to play Franz. It wouldn't shock me if they if they rest Franz for this game as well. Like Germany should have enough to beat Georgia. But if he's healthy and you want to get him into rhythm, you should play Franz in this game. Uh, also, it would be kind of interesting to see how he does against a guy like uh, Toko Shingelia. You know, that would be uh, that'd be pretty cool. And then you're going to need two screens early this Friday, this Friday morning, if you're going to do it. But because 10 minutes after Germany, Georgia tips off USA versus Montenegro tips off at 440 AM Eastern. Uh, 
Friday, September 1st. And it's Vooch. It's Vooch and Montenegro. Um, they've got Orlando Edgewater High School, uh, Kendrick Perry, who has been a real good naturalized player for them for a couple of years now. And I still think U.S. should win, but it'll be interesting to see if Vooch gets like a crazy 2020 game and just like can get Jaron Jackson Jr. into foul trouble. And we'll see if Paolo actually matches up against Vooch. That's going to be fascinating um, if, if, if Kerr goes that route. I could see him throwing Kessler on Vooch, but if it's Paolo versus Vooch, that just gets really, really interesting. But U.S. should win that game. And then the last game, uh, Magic important game that Friday is uh, Australia versus Slovenia, 8, 10 a.m., Eastern time. So that one's, uh, everyone should be awake for that one at 8, 10 a.m. Uh, Friday morning. I mean, it's Joe Ingles, I expect to keep coming off the bench. Luka Doncic, can he pull his magic? Can he somehow take take over and beat uh, a pretty stacked Australian team, which does have its flaws because Germany beat them, but um, Luke is going to be really shorthanded here and he's really going to have to put up like a 40 point, like triple double for them to beat the Aussies in my mind. Cause if, you know, Patty Mills goes off, if Giddy goes off, um, they've got a pretty good support cast of NBA put talent. Joe Ingles might do really well off the bench. Um, I expect the Aussies to beat Luca, but it's, it's going to be interesting cause you're going to have, uh, you know, Okinawa Japanese fans who are really, really into Luca, um, big Luca fans versus whatever Australian fans are, are in that building that night. Um, so I, I still think the Aussies win that one. And then Sunday morning, cause we got Labor Day weekend. So you guys aren't, most people aren't working Monday, so you can be up whatever hours you want Sunday, right? So Sunday morning, September 3rd, Australia versus Georgia, 3.30 a.m. Eastern time. I will probably be up for that one because I think uh, Greece has a game early that day, I think, as well. But uh, Or I could be wrong. But, um, yeah, Australia versus Georgia, 3.30 a.m. Eastern. It's Ingles versus Goga. I expect the Aussies to win that game because, yeah, I mean, if the Aussies beat both Slovenia and they go into this Georgia game with uh, – with a ticket to the quarterfinals on the line. I don't expect the Aussies to mess around. Um, yeah, it, it's it's simple as that. Just get it done, Aussies. And then later that mo- that Sunday morning, it's Germany versus Slovenia, 7, 10 a.m. in the morning, Eastern time. So pretty reasonable time to wake up early for most po- folks, especially if Franz is playing in this game. I expect Franz to be playing in this game for certain um he, they may not need him for georgia they're going to need him for slovenia against luca because um yeah you're going to want to throw arguably your best uh and most versatile player at luca uh germany should win that game they're just a way better team than slovenia um it was that was the case last year and i expect that to be the case this time as well so you know all eyes will be on franz to see if he's at least playing and looking okay by then and then at 8.40 a.m. Eastern that Sunday morning, uh, September 3rd, it's USA versus Lithuania. You know, Paolo, there's a chance he goes up against Vooch in the Montenegro game. Well, there's a chance Paolo goes up against Jonas Valanciunas in the Lithuania game. So, um, again, U.S., they should still be undefeated by the time they get done with this stage. And, yeah, I mean, that's it. You know, I, I, I've talked enough by myself, and – I just love these. I just love FIBA ball so much. Like 
I know people in the States are super hyped about college football and NFL football and all that. I, I just get hyped for international basketball and international soccer or, or just soccer and basketball in general. But, um, yeah, that's going to do it for me. I really appreciate you listening to this pod. If you're still, uh, if you're still listening, if you're not, don't worry. Like I, it's, it's for the sickos out there. Like I'm a basketball sicko, a magic sicko. I've been doing this for half my life at least where I'm following magic players or following Greece and stuff like that. And yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining the ride. Uh, subscriptions, high ratings, positive comments. They all help this podcast ranking a ton. You can tweet us any of your feedback and questions. Penny's at Spencer Strode. I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. With that, take care. Let's go magic.